I fought a good fight. I finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. Basketball players, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, but I'm glad, I'm glad we do a little bit more than that. Eventually, every ball would go flat, but that doesn't mean that your life will flatline. What will you do when the game is over? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Endless Hustle podcast. I am Bro Bible's Matt Cohan, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host Arthur Cade. For those of you just joining the pod, a little summary here. We're exploring how the world of sports, business, and entertainment are essentially just three limbs to the same animal. We're interviewing all your favorite current and former athletes on themes such as personal branding, reinvention, and current news in the sports world. A quick credit to Arthur and I, we're just viral machines on this podcast. Just last week, we spoke with Nick Mangold, and he told us a Tim Tebow story that is everywhere on the internet. The week before, we interviewed Falcons running back Keith Smith about his weird obsession with Chipotle, says he eats it four to five times a day. Chipotle picked it up, sending him care packages, and we're working on getting him a sponsorship. So that's what we do at The Endless Hustle. We help people's lives. And this episode we have here, Arthur, is a doozy. I'm sorry, I'm busy, Matt. I'm changing my Instagram description to viral machine. (laughs) We are viral machines, baby. Uh, Yeah, doozy is an understatement, Matt. We have the big baller himself, Mr. LeVar Ball. I think you and I spoke after we did this interview that there's electric and then there's crazy electric and then there's another level of LeVar Ball and we achieved the LeVar Ball level. That was fucking nuts. So that was pretty cool. I think the the fascinating thing, Matt, what I was thinking about after our interview with LeVar was he's arguably the most famous sports father alive right now. And when you look back at some of the other fathers, obviously, we just saw the Masters. Tiger and his dad were an enormous story throughout my generation. You think about Kobe and Gigi and how Kobe was able to influence female basketball and provide a spotlight on that through his relationship with Gigi. We have Venus and Serena and what Richard did for them. In fact, there's a documentary called King Richard, which showcases how he got the both of them to the top of the tennis world. You know, fathers play an incredibly instrumental role in sports. And the funny thing with LeVar, and we talk about this in the interview, despite all of his crazy antics, and his whole Muhammad Ali shtick, the guy's got two sons who are going to be top five draft picks and another son who's got a chance to make it to the NBA, and all three of them are great kids. So there's something in the water there at the Ball household, but a lot of people give LeVar shit, but regardless, he's raised three great sons who are having success both on the court and off the court. You took the words right out of my mouth, Arthur. I think the impulse for most of us is to get lost in the spectacle of LeVar. You know, he's a guy who seems to be leeching off the success of his children and making a name for himself because of it. But what's less sexy but doesn't make any less true is that these are the fruits of a two-decade-long labor of love. LeVar didn't just show up when Lonzo made his first jump shot. He had implemented this entire parenting program in 1997, built on nothing but a pipe dream and never wavered for it. You know, knowing all well that these kids could grow up and follow their passion into like software sales or Magic the Gathering or something. And his life work would have all been decimated. So when I see him gloating, and especially after talking with him, I just remind myself that when you strip away all the confetti, all that's left is just a proud, committed father with maybe a bit of a personality disorder. And I think that's really evident in this interview, all of that. Yeah, and we had the fortune of talking to him right after the Puma deal with Lamelo was announced. And you did an amazing job in this interview, and I can't wait for people to hear it, about really trying to get his feedback because there was that viral clip from the TV slash reality show that they do of him being furious with Melo about signing that $100 million deal. But in our interview, and people are going to see this, he actually took a totally different stance with it where he kind of said it was no big deal. Great, whatever. We've got a million other deals we're working on through Big Baller, the brand that he owns. So it's fascinating because he painted the deal as kind of a failure, I thought, during the interview. And I'm curious to hear what people think when they hear this. But as you did a fantastic job really describing, it's a $100 million deal with a private jet and a million other things perks involved and whatever this guy's doing for these kids he's created branding opportunities 
that no other athlete in this draft is getting. You have Anthony Edwards, you have James Wiseman. You don't hear these kids signing $100 million Puma deals, and yet Mello's already getting those deals. That's, to me, a credit of LeVar and the presence that LeVar builds in building the brand for these kids. It's pretty, pretty incredible. 100%. I mean, I don't want to give too much away because I want to let the people hear it. It is an electric hour interview. One of our best here at the Endless Hustle. So buckle up, get ready. LeVar Ball, the big baller. The big baller. All right, we have a monumental day here at the Hustle because we have a monumental guest. He's a marketing genius. He's a Canoga Park High School all-time leading rebounder and the only man on the planet who can beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, the big baller himself, the big dog, LeVar Ball. LeVar, hello. Hey, thank you all for having me. What's going down? Chilling, man. Are you in, uh, are you in California now? Most definitely. I'm in Cali. Cool. How's quarantine going or, or yeah, this pandemic? It's always good when you got a big ass mansion. <laughs> I've seen that mansion. That is, uh, that's that could fit the whole state of California in it. Sure, we all good though. No, we have a good time, man. We just kick it back. Well, let's get right into it. I guess. I mean, the big story that's all over the internet right now. You want Lamelo to sign with either the Pistons or the Knicks. Neither of those franchises have won a playoff series in almost a decade. Detroit isn't exactly the sexiest market in the league. Where does your mindset stand on that as, as it stands now? Here's the thing, like I tell folks before, those are the two places I want him to go on the fact that, you know, those guys would do good having all three of my boys. It'd be the biggest story. And all three of them was trying to find a way to get all three of them. That's why I like them two teams. But the main reason I really like, like I said, I don't care where Melo goes. I just want a coach to believe in him and let him loose and do what he does. Because you, you can, like I said before, you, you can be in, the, in your hometown, but if you ain't got the right coach there, it don't matter. So I just want somebody anywhere that they can say, you know what, Mel, here's the keys to our franchise. Go on and win for us and do what you do. LeVar, it's incredible to see what you've done from a publicity and marketing standpoint. I know you've caught a ton of heat because of your antics, but right. to think about that two of your sons are going to be top five picks. To make it to the NBA is one in a gajillion. You're going to have two of them in there. What's no. in the water at the ball household? Man, y'all keep forgetting. If three of my boys are raised in the same household, don't think one of them going to be like, oh, he's not that good. They're all going to be superstars. The only reason Jello didn't get drafted is because he deviated from the plan and did a little something different. What I mean by that, you know he had his little altercation. But check this out. That was a bad thing for him, but a good thing for me. Because what it allowed me to do, now I go overseas and make other connects. Now I create the JBA. Now I got rims and tires and water. I don't do all this stuff if, if Jello just does his plan get drafted at UCLA, Mello goes to UCLA, get drafted, and then the ball family just go about our business. Now I open my eyes to a whole lot of other things, and guess what? This is bigger than just the ball family now. What's the secret sauce? How, when did you figure the out that? The big baller. So when you mix the secret sauce with a beautiful woman, and guess what you get? Lotto tickets. You you mentioned the beautiful women. I know you said that one of the main reasons you settled down with your lovely wife, Tina, was because she's tall and athletic and it gives you the best shot of producing athletically superior children. That bet has obviously paid off, but I have a hunch LeVar has a little, uh, a little softer side. You've been married for 23 years or so. What is the most romantic, vulnerable thing you've ever done for her? What's the romantic, vulnerable thing I've done for her? Dig deep, LeVar. I'm trying to dig deep. I'm trying to figure it out. Shoot, a romantic give her these kids. <laughs> you talking about? Shoot. She gave you the kids. She pushed them out. Hey, man. If she would have been with somebody else, she ain't here no superstars. Like I said, giving her these kids, big baller style. There's not a date that you've taken her on that was like, wow, that was really nice, LeVar. You know, thank you for doing that. No, she knew I was nice for the first time I ever met her. So I don't have to be like, oh, Tina, I'm so romantic and I love you. And I, she already know. So it's always been like that. Me and Tina got our own little thing that's, you know, most people on the outside can't see it like that. But I, ain't, I never had no vulnerable spot. I'm not a vulnerable type of person. 
LeVar, you had a little bit of a dust up with our now former president, Donald Trump. What do you think about everything that's been happening recently over the last week with Trump? And after that dust up, how was your relationship? If he would have never acted a fool, he would have still been president because I would have been down with him and helped him out. But you want to act crazy with the big baller? Guess what happens? Anybody who act crazy with me don't last long. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay, look at the guys on some of these talk shows. Like what that girl name? I told her, stay in the lane, you never hear about her no more. Everybody who messed with the ball in the long run, it's not going to work out good for you. Now, Trump, if he would have accepted my shoes and stopped acting a fool, I would have been, he still would have been president. But no, he got to go. Oh, well. So you're directly attributing Biden winning to him pissing off Big Baller? Yes. If he would have did that to the Big Baller, I would have been like, you know what? Trump's our guy. Let's roll. Everybody would have been like, I'm voting. Let's go. On the street, trying to get back in. He called me two days ago. Big Baller, I'm sorry. I said, man, I'm not taking your call. <laughs> the LeVar effect in full swing. Wait, did he really call you? I mean, are you serious? Well, that boy called me. All I got to I'm not accepting his call. See, when he's down on his luck, he want to call the big baller to get back some love. I told him to call Lil Wayne or one of them rappers or something. When that stuff happened in China with LiAngelo, did you, what conversation do you have? We're talking about when he, when he shoplifted the glasses from Louis Vuitton, correct? What was the conversation you had with him directly after that? Like, what the hell are you doing? Or how, how did that go down? The thing with Jello? Yeah. You talking about the conversation? Here's the thing, man. I, I was just telling, I didn't really tell him nothing. I'm just trying to figure out the way to get him up out of there. Because he had already heard enough from, from his mom, people around him. Why did you do that, Joe? I mean, that's it's already, I don't know why he did it. He don't know why he did it. It's just something that happened. So I was like, you know what? It's just, it's just a bad mistake that you made. And, and let's roll from there. But I, I didn't want to get down on him because he was already in a bad spot. So there was no use to me uh, jumping in his ass like, oh man, you never should have did that. Why'd you do that? I didn't raise you like that. Okay. I didn't, I didn't want to go that route with him. So, you know, we're in a different country. I was like, man, you, you made a mistake, son, at the wrong time. That's all. So let, let's just go from there and we'll get it out of here. But I, I hope the next person learns you can go from up here to down here by one false move. Just something stupid. You, uh, LaMelo signed with Puma, reportedly $100 million, access to a private jet. But your initial reaction on Ball and the family was was anger. No, here's the thing. They did not see. See, this is what happens with the media. This is what happened with the media, man. And and then when you know you can slip and cut parts out. The part that they cut out was, I said, Mello, that's his name, Mello. I need you to tell me, Dad, f you. I want to do stuff my own way. And all they put in the press was. F you, I'm going to do stuff my own way. But see, I wanted my son to tell me that. And if he says it with a smile, that means he don't, he don't, he just being, you know, he really don't know. If he says it seriously, that means he really want to do his thing. If he says scarily, he's just saying it because I want him to say it. So I, I go on the response after he told me that on how his expression is. And, and people act like I'm mad. Here's the thing. I try to teach him all this time, like his other brothers, don't sign no endorsement deal. But why would I be pissed off to the highest of pissedity if he's making millions of dollars doing them? I love my son to make a mistake and make millions off of it. Always going to be with the big bowler brand, and you can do other things. That's fine. We got some other things that's coming out, but it's a family brand, and my boys are always going to be with me. That's what people don't get. No, I, I understand that. I understand they're always going to be attached to the brand, but you can see how there's one foot in and one foot out, you know, literally and figuratively. Well, no, no, no. It's not one foot in and one foot out. Like I said, it's both feet in. Here's the thing. We do our thing. It's a family brand, and me and my wife came up there with our boys. It stands for the Big Bowler brand, but it also stands for the Three Ball Brothers. And so, so it's always going to be good like that. My boys can, you know, they can wear anything they want. I don't care. Did you try to lay the full court press on him to try to get him to sign primarily with Big Baller? No, no, no. I'm not going to lay the, the full court press on him because, listen, we got water coming out. You think it's just mine? No, it's me and my boys, Big Baller brand. We got some rims and tires coming out. It's not going to be just mine. It's going to be me and my boys, Big Baller brand. That's just a apparel deal. That ain't nothing but some clothes. We got some other stuff that's going to be way bigger than this. And, you know, people keep thinking like, oh, like I tell them, y'all think I'm worried about some sneakers? Sneakers come in pairs. You get tubes. I'm about to have some rim and ties. They come in folds.
And hey, you keep stepping, I'm going to keep rolling, and let's see who gets to the billions first. LeVar, can that be a challenge? Because obviously you're walking a tightrope between personal and business. When no, you do- how am I walking a tightrope between personal and business? Because they're your kids, obviously, right? So when you want, let's say, one of the kids to do big baller, but they go with Puma, you're obviously incredibly intelligent and understanding that, hey, if they do Puma here, I'm going to get to do something different here. But can it ever become a conflict inside the house when those decisions are being made? Like like I said, listen to this. If they want to be billionaires, the only way they can be billionaires is with big baller brand. Why? Because we own something. Like the late Kobe, they worth 600 million. That's far away, 400 and something from a billion because he don't own nothing. So the only way you can make a billion dollars is if you own it. You come over here, big baller brand. Hey, there's been other brands that the guy started off over here. Kobe started with who? Adidas. Then he went to Nike. Don't act like my boy can't go to Puma and do what he do, and then I snatch him back. How's that? Last July, I believe, I think there was a, something went viral on the internet. I don't know. You can tell me if it's bullshit or not, but it was at a volleyball tournament, and there were like, there were tables set up selling big baller brand stuff for like very discounted price. I know you said that the big baller brand is back and better than ever, but what is the current state of, of the brand as it, as it stands today? The big baller brand is, is moving and grooving just perfectly. Like I said, we, we coming back bigger, better. Our quality is better. Our getting our stuff out, we get it out faster. Our customer control, everything is way better now. The way things are ran is way better. And like I said before, I had one guy doing everything. Now I got a bunch of people standing in a lane doing the right thing. So this is everything is running way smoother than what it was. LeVar, the model that you've created in terms yes. of managing your funds, the only person that you could really compare it to in media, entertainment, or sports is probably Chris oh, Jenner no. with the Kardashians. Have you ever had any communication no, with her because of what she's been able to build? You guys try to, you've got to relate me to something. But like I tell you before, my, my, my folks, is, my boys is basketball players, sports guys. Those girls are not in sports and they're girls. And, and, what are, and, and they're not a pure family like me. Ain't a couple of them named Jenner and a couple of them named Kardashian. What the hell? All my boys named Ball. So ain't no comparison, no way. But, but you guys like to say, we got to compare them to somebody, but you can't compare us to nobody. They try to do Marinovich. I was like, no. He had one son. I got three. I'm doing basketball. He did football. Okay, Tiger Woods. No, he got one son. He hit a stick and a ball. No, we're not, we're not the same. We're not like Michael Jackson either. But, you know, you got to try to say LeVar is like somebody else. Why is, how are you going to have a story to talk about to compare me? You can't. What's been the craziest reaction that you've gotten from the beginning of this journey from anybody in sports about when you started going out there and pushing Lonzo was obviously the first and then you took all the kids. What was the craziest feedback or reaction you got from anybody? The craziest feedback reaction I got, they said, LeVar, you must be God. I said, wow, I got to think about that twice now. I can't, I can't spot the lie there. LeVar, I, I read something that when Tina was shopping, you'd have her take the boys into the bathroom at every store and rinse their booties to make sure they were skid mark free. Is yes. this true? And if so, can you let us in on any other unorthodox parenting techniques you have? Well, people always say it's unorthodox, you know, but it's, here's the thing. All my boys were potty trained by 10 months. And that's and the way you get them potty trained. I don't, I don't let them, I, when they was young, I didn't let them use the bathroom like when they were sleeping. I'd wake them up myself in the middle of the night and put them, they little cold butts on that toilet. They got used to that. So they never got used to having, you know, excuse my language, but shit in their drawers. I always got them up. And they, after they eat, put them on the toilet. So I told my wife to be on the same page that I am. When you want to take the kids out, you're not going to put a pamper on them. So every time you go into a store, you better go to a bathroom. That way we don't contradict it where I'm just trying to potty train them and she just wants to be out with her friends and have a baby just pissing and dumping on herself. I said, no, that ain't going to happen. Or leave them here with me. But she want to take them. So she's going to do like, you know, take them to the bathroom every time. Good. Wow, you've you've heard it here first. The Ball brothers have never had a skid mark, thanks to Papa Lavar. There, it's pretty impressive. I've with them all this time. I I, I, I want them to do stuff special, and that's where it starts. Are they still waking up at all all hours of the night, going to the bathroom because of you? 
Well, I don't know what they're doing now. Shoot, I don't know. Maybe they drink too much water and got to go to the bathroom every night. But I'm, that's not my problem anymore. LeVar, you have had so many memorable memes and gifts and internet moments. What's been your favorite that you've seen? My favorite that I've seen is your expression when I came on your show to give you some feedback. I gotcha. That's my favorite now. Shoot. Only as good as your last laugh. That's true. I like the one when you're rolling up with the arms, you're wearing the long sleeve white shirt and you got the arms swinging. I always send that to my parents. Yes. My parents love that one. (laughs) (laughs) LeVar, in terms of raising your sons, obviously you're dealing with three different personalities, three different types of composure builds. How do you handle each son? Was each one different in terms of how you approached raising them? Or was there a general approach for all three? Well, it's a general approach for all three. And, and the, the personality that they have, they're going to have exactly the personality which their parents have. It's a little bit of Tina and a little bit of me. And that's what you get. Was there ever a concern? And obviously, the, the easy answer would be, I knew they were going to make it to the pros. But we know how hard it is to get to that level. If they had made it, was there ever a concern on your end that, hey, I'm pushing them to the fucking extreme with this, they don't make it, that it could actually psychologically hurt them. What was plan B if it didn't work out? My plan B is to make plan A work. And that question would have to be to somebody who they made it. I can't answer that question. Like I said, I never push my boys. That's what people don't understand. Push means resistance. What I do is I lead them. So if I lead you, that means if you don't want to do this, turn off and go do something else. But if I'm telling you as a baby, you're born to go pro, and I'm steadily putting that in your head as you're a baby, you're not really worried about the money. I'm telling you, with your mom being a trainer and me being an athlete, her being a PE teacher or whatever, guess what? Your last name is Ball. What else you going to do? So now my boys is doing so hard. And it's like, I believe in this. It's going to work. It's very easy. And people don't get that. I think anything you invest in your own, usually when you get some money, people say, oh, buy some property or invest in this, invest in that. I say, you know what? I'm going to invest in something that's mine, which is my kids. And now it's going to be the the fullest. But it was never no doubt to say, you know what? You guys are not going to make it. You're not going to be this. It's something that I do like the back of my hand. I know how to train. We just had what I consider best sports documentary series of all time with the Last Stands premiere this year. And obviously you had that super viral soundbite where you said you could have beaten Michael Jordan. When you're watching The Last Dance, what do you think about seeing Jordan and your kids who probably didn't grow up to see Jordan in his prime, seeing Jordan and then hearing their dad say that he could beat Jordan? Well, my my kids know I could beat Jordan. One-on-one, can't nobody beat me. I'm trying to tell you. One-on-one... Not even close. He too light in the ass. You 210 pounds, I'm 270. All I'm going to do is bag you in and do a jump hook. You can't do number five me. And I'm too quick. Ain't like I was 270 and fat. Well, I was 270 jumping, hovering. Not jumping, I hover. Just move. That's how long I stay in the air. I would think that was crazy, but I saw that picture of you from 1987. You're wearing a bathing suit, and you look absolutely shredded. Can you talk about your early career in your, in your college playing ball, football, and basketball, how good you were? As far as being an athlete, man, I'm, I'm, I could do it all. Back in our day, that's why I don't miss nothing, because I never did nothing long enough. In our day, all we do is play basketball, play basketball season, football, football season, track, run track, baseball, baseball season. Now everybody focuses on just one thing. I told my boys, you're only going to get a scholarship in one, so let's just see which one is the best, being real good at basketball, where they was playing like in the third grade, playing against eighth grade. But as far as that, I played high school football, okay? And then I got with the Jets. That's without even playing college. I had a chance to go play basketball overseas. I forget about that. I didn't start playing basketball until the 10th grade. But just as far as running and jumping and flipping and all this stuff, I'm good at everything from diving to roller skating to goddamn baseball. I used to throw a 90-mile-per-hour fastball, and the fact that we had practice, it wasn't on our campus at Canoga Park. We had to go to a park. But I could throw the hell out that ball. I told him I ain't coming to the park. So then I go just run track. That's how good just being athletic I can pick up on anything and, and play. It was not, it's not a big-ass deal to me. 
from a business perspective, I want to talk to you about brand building because you've yeah. done an effective job of building both yours and your son's brands. Right. What, do you, what advice would you give to athletes on how to be successful in terms of them building their brands and also investing in business and media ventures? Any athletes, if you know your self-worth, that's, that's one of the things you got to learn because usually your best athletes are coming out of the hood. And if you give them a little bit of something, they, they oh, thank you. And they, they just stay with that plan. And that's what I said. As far as building my boys' brands, I give them a brand within my brand to make them understand, don't do no endorsement deals. Because whatever you do, and this is the same thing I told Mello, wherever you go, son, they're going to blow up and you're going to be cheap unless you're with me. What I mean by that, you're going to make whatever company you would have went to using Nike, Adidas, Puma, you're going to build a brand up and they're going to pay you pennies. That's just how this goes. They're going to make billions of dollars and give you a few million. Here and wasn't there. that a hundred million? Wasn't it up to a hundred million dollars in access to the private jet? Like that's, that's a pretty substantial amount of money. That's an insane amount of money to people who ain't got no money. But if you make 4 billion in a year and they give you a hundred million for, I don't know how many years, is that really worth it? You're doing all the running and jumping in the shoe. That's what I'm trying to explain to them. All these guys who did all of these, even LeBron, he worked by what? You say 400 million? Okay, but how much has he made Nike? And then they say he got a billion dollar contract. That's for life. I don't want nothing for life. I might change my mind in the middle of it. But he can't do that. He can't do nothing. These guys don't own nothing. When these guys are finished with him, they on to the next dude. So it ain't nothing new. A hundred million in a private jet. What do you need with a private jet? What are you going to tell his basketball team? I'll meet y'all there. You're taking a jet anyway. So, so you're not a businessman to be flying all over the place with no jet. So that's not a big deal. It's like, dude, we give you access to this jet. So Have you, you know seen what? the jet? I ain't looking for no jet. Yeah, well, I don't need to see no jet. Shoot. Yeah, I get some money and buy my own goddamn jet if I feel like it. But that, that ain't nothing. See, that's how they usually get most of the people that don't have nothing. Oh, we give you access to a jet. That's just like saying, I'm going to give you access to $100 million. Just don't spend it all. But I'm going to give you access. LeVar, I'm a lifelong Lakers fan. When Lonzo was with the Lakers, there was obviously so many rumors about communication between you and ownership and kind of the turmoil underneath. What was really happening? What was that communication like between you and the Boss family and Cupjack and, and everyone over there? Well, Cupcheck, he wasn't over there. I don't think Cupcheck was over there. But but I I like Jeannie Buss. I even gave her the scenario. I said, Jeannie, and, and she don't tell you, I said, you know what? Even with my son, this is what I anticipated, that you're going to win a championship over there. I said, you're going to be the first lady to win a championship. And that's when, you know, Magic had things going. Me and him had communication where I thought he could do more. He couldn't do as much. He was on some strength. So what I was saying is, I'm like, you really don't have no pull. So the things you're saying to me, you can't get done. So that's where we had our little, it wasn't no, no big ass deal. Everybody had good things to say about each other. So that was good. But you know, then the media tried to turn, oh, LaVar needs to be quiet. You know, if you're playing my son the wrong way, I'm going to talk. I'm going to have my opinion. It can't nobody make me be quiet. So I'm looking at it like, that's not going to happen. But like I said, the communication that we had, it, it was all good. Jeannie's a good lady. Ain't nothing. I ain't got no things about her. I'm just saying, when Magic said he was going to do some things behind closed doors and it didn't happen, I was like, okay, what do you want from Lonzo? Now, here's what Lonzo wants from you. How about you get his brother so we can have some better chemistry? But I already seen that team was good. The team was good. It just had the wrong coach. That's all. And look, you got a different coach. Look, you go first time you get a different coach, you win it. <laughs> Very simple. You've obviously hammered Luke a ton. Has Luke ever reached out to you in any way and been like, please stop hammering me? Is there any communication? If he reached out at me, I would have to block it because I know he was trying to get some violence. So I don't want him reaching at nothing. Stay away. But yeah, I, I call it like it is, man. Don't get mad at me. He's a good guy. Just can't coach. But I ain't not a bad guy. But I can see it from when he did that. I was like, wow, why wouldn't you play my son and LeBron the whole time till they hearts fell out? All these goddamn 400,000 rotations and, and trying to make everybody a playmaker. And when I seen you start making Clarkson dribble the ball up and Brandon dribble the ball up, now you got my son sitting in the corner who makes everybody better. It makes no sense. 
Lonzo had a good game. You know when? When the, after the second game, he played Phoenix. That's when he had almost a triple double, and they won. I thought we was on a good road, ready to roll in. And then all of a sudden, start playing him six minutes in the first quarter, take him out, bring him back the third quarter, fourth quarter, don't let him play. I'm like, man, Lonzo ain't never played like that. So you're not going to get the best out of him. What did you think of the – was it true that they made the, the LeVar rule where they banned everybody from talking to uh, the media? Well, they had to do that. I'm the only father that came in there with two things, with his own show and with his own brand. Ain't nobody else father. Who else father they talking about? And then guess what? You know what year it is, right? This is 2020, and we're still talking about the big baller? And I'm just supposed to be the father, but if I don't do things, you're not going to talk about it. LeVar, we're always going to be talking about the big baller. Hey, I'm trying to tell you. Do you have any kids? I don't have kids, man. Okay, you have any kids, uh, Arthur? I do okay. not. When you do get kids, and when they go to school and they have a history class and they talk about the big baller, you let them know that you interviewed me back in the day. Because that's the kind of history I'm going to put down on. They will be talking about me in schools. Trust and believe that. The Nets just hired Steve Nash. And there's a, a trend right now where we're seeing all these former players getting either head coaching or assistant coaching jobs. So a two-part right. question for you. One, what do you think about the Nash hire? And two, do you think that being a former player makes you a better coach? I think the Nash hire was good. I think most of the time when you hire point guards, especially at the way we're going right now, where you're trying to play this so-called small ball, but you got these guards who push the ball up the court, they tend to be pretty good coaches. And he's a little younger now, because a lot of the older coaches, they stuck in their ways, but the game is changing. It's a different game now. It's not, okay, we're going to go down real slow, give it to the postman, let him do his thing. Now you got guys, shoot, Giannis, KD, Guys is damn near seven feet that can dribble the hell that ball and push the break. So now everybody can kind of move around. You got guys out there shooting three-pointers like they guards. But big guys, I mean, old coaches be like, get your big ass down on that box. Don't be out here. I don't even care if you can shoot. But now all these coaches are getting a little more free like that. and It's, it's a way you got to get to these kids now. And it's a different type of thing because of the social media era. Your son is playing right now with arguably the most popular player on the planet, Zion Williamson. Is there ever a fear that because of Zion's popularity that it could overshadow Lonzo's ability to, to further build his brand? See, here's the thing. Lonzo gonna build his brand because Zion ain't got no brand. <laughs> so here's what I'm trying to tell you. Lonzo makes everybody better. So it's never gonna be like, oh, we love Zion more than Lonzo. Y'all don't understand. My boys are globally. They not local. Zion, they local. They only in the States. They ain't all around the world like my boys. Big Baller Brand is a family business. Would you ever consider opening it up to another NBA player to be one of the yeah, faces of the of brand? Here's the thing. Another thing that people was like, oh, the Big Baller Brand. My main concern was my boys. And I got my blinders on, tunnel vision, signature shoes for all three of my boys. But now when all my boys is in the NBA, don't think I can't go after another players now. And my deal is better than anybody else's deal that they can get. Because I'm going to tell them, if you don't believe in yourself, get you an endorsement deal where you go five years, they give you $10 million, $2 million a year, or come to the big baller brand, I give you a shoe and give you 40% ownership. So if you got all these followers and they buying your shoes and we sell your shoes for a goddamn $100 and we sell over a million shoes, now we get $100 million. $60 million come to me. 40 million go to you, 60-40 deal. And as your career goes on, it slips 60-40, 60 your way, 40 my way. The only reason you're getting 40% ownership now is because you haven't done anything. But you're betting on yourself. So now, guess what's going to happen when I approach the number one and number two pick for next year and the year after? Coming with this. They're going to relook at that and say, you know what? I think I'm going to bet on myself and go with this, this ownership thing. 40% ownership? Now, you don't get done like Kawhi Leonard. You can't even get your hand back. How you can't get your own hand back? You, you see what I'm saying? That kind of deal. Like, oh, man, you drew your own hand and you can't get it back? New balance, you ain't getting that, see? But you don't own nothing. So now, these guys are going to look at it like, ownership? And I can get Zion ain't got no signature shoe. You're just part of Jordan's brand. You ain't got no signature shoe. So you're not messing up my son's brand because you don't have a brand. 
Lonzo got a signature shoe. Jello ain't even in the league got a signature shoe. And Melo the youngest ever to have a signature shoe. So Puma can't come at him like they did with all the other players that they so-called have. There's been a lot of conversation about Rich Paul, LeBron, and clutch sports, and especially with LeBron being a player, but also potentially pulling strings behind the scenes. When Lonzo was with the Lakers, you obviously had access to see what was going on there. What were your thoughts about the way Clutch operates, but also in terms of how they are able to create maneuvers for players? Is it good, bad for the league? What are your thoughts? I think it's good for the league. I mean, don't be mad at him because he's one of the best agents. He can make things happen like that. That's just how it is. The the, the cream don't rise to the top. And don't get mad at him because he can make things happen. I'm not going to hate on the man and be like, you know what, that's bad because I want all these good players on one team or spread it out a little bit. That's for the fans. If you're really that good, man, it's all about chemistry. You can have the best players on one team, but if they have no chemistry, it's not going to work. you got all these big names for nothing. Or you can have a Rudy Poop team. They don't have a lot of people, and they be like, oh, that's why you can't beat them because there's no stars on the team, and the chemistry is just good. It's just a narrative. So I'm thinking, you know what? He's in his field. He's the best in it. So guess what, Rich Paul? More power to you, man. Good job. Going through the draft process with Lonzo the first time, and now you're going through it with Melo, what's the evolution that's happened? What are some things you look back on with Lonzo that you changed going through with Melo? How is the behind the scenes of it all? Like, what happens in the draft process that we're not seeing or hearing about that only you know? What's happening in the draft process? People feel it's like, you know what? LeVar, I ain't heard from him. Oh, he stepped back. He's letting Melo do this. But you got to understand how, how things evolve is. I wouldn't change nothing. And I'm doing the same thing. But this time, I have a little help. As Lonzo was going to UCLA, my wife wasn't sick back then, you know, until she got sick. Now, dealing with the big ball of brand, getting bigger and better and doing other things, I can't be in one spot. So guess what? I got a guy who rolling with me. It was Jermaine Jackson. That's my dude. He thinks just like me. So I'm allowed to say, you know, go on over there and make sure you take care of my son and make sure that when you train, you're doing the same things I would do. That's like my little brother right there, Jermaine Jackson. And me and him is always on the same page. That's what people don't understand. It was like, oh, LaVar didn't go with him in Australia. Hey, if I got somebody to help me this time, I don't have to go to Australia. I don't have to go do things. I'm worried about Jello getting in the league. I'm worried about the big baller brand. I'm worried about my wife, everything. So guess what? I had a guy who said, boy, I'll roll with you. Whatever you need me to do, man, I'm good with you. And that's what's going on. So it's the same thing. Ain't nothing changed. LaMelo is pr- predicted to go number one by a lot of people. And outside of Lonzo, which one player, the current player in the NBA, do you think he should model his game after to be successful? Oh, Melo should model his game after nobody. He's a new breed. No, but give me a taste. If they're a Jason Tatum, I can see a lot of similarities there. They're no, both 68. No Jason Tatum in him. He's faster than him and handle the ball better than him. And he shoot better John than him. John Morant? John Morant, too little. Too little. No, Melo Mello's on a whole different type of vibe. Melo Mello shoot from anywhere. He handled the ball. He long. So it, it's not – when you guys see him, it's going to be a shot. Jello shoots the ball a lot. Lonzo handles the ball a lot. So out of his brothers, he's going to take a little bit of this one and a little bit of that one, and that's what you get, Mello. Jello was always a big-time scorer, and then Lonzo was always a good a playmaker, a facilitator, and Mello is the only one in the family that can flip and do either one. Now, if Lonzo playing a point, Mello can score 50. Jello can never play the point because he shoots too much, and he thinks he always opens as soon as he passes half court. So he ain't going to get nobody involved. Lonzo can't play really the two on the fact that he's a passer too. So you might pass to him in the corner, and instead of shooting the ball like he should take 30 shots, he's going to wait for a cutter and be like looking for the next pass. So he's not an efficient two guard. Melo can do both. Where does your business savvy come from? I mean, it's not like, and don't take this the wrong way, you didn't go to Harvard, you didn't go to Yale, you don't have the traditional upbringing of, hey, I'm going to be a hedge fund guy. Where did this begin for you where you created this kind of self-proclaimed hustle? Well, see, when the brothers is doing something good, everybody like to call it a hustle. It ain't no hustle. It's just hard work. And, and here's the thing. we All of us got that business savvy, as you can tell. It's a lot of dudes that come out of the hood. They successful at making money, just not the right way. So so they, they can talk and do these things and different products that they sell and this and that. We, we make something out of nothing. I think a lot of people in, in the ghetto is born like that. And that's what they always say. Oh, it's a hustle that I do. 
you know, and it's not really also just something I believe in and, and just happen to be in front of all these cameras and being very productive with it. I think if you believe in anything that you do, guess what? If you're behind it 110% and keep going forward no matter what, you should be successful at that. But a lot of people, like I say, I got my famous line. I say, you, you ain't built for this. Sometimes, okay, what if I told you, Arthur, man, and I said, you know what? Give me 20 years and you're going to be a millionaire. You'd be like, 20 years? Sure, I don't know. Two years, we can go about it. Five years, we might think about it. But for sure, 20, you might invest $10,000. Five years go by, something happened bad. You'd be like, I need my 10000 back out. And you're not willing to leave it in for 20 years. But if you have something that's yours, 20 years seem like a long time, but it's not. I invested 20-something years in my boys. And now, this is what's the good part. I tell my wife all the time. We have three kids, and all of them are in their careers in their profession at an early age and millionaires. What's bad about that? Where did you see the responsibility of your kids with everything we just saw with the NBA and all the sports leagues standing up for Black Lives Matter? What was it you were saying behind the scenes to the kids about what their role had to be in the conversation? My, my, my thing was this, man. You know, everybody has an opinion to do something. We've been there done that. It, it, it's good to have your opinion and, and try to do some things or, or say some things, but don't get stuck on the, on the, I taught you guys to be basketball players and, and people, I don't know if they take this the right or the wrong way, but a lot of people, bad things got to happen before people stand up and say, well, we have a voice. Where was your voice before this happened? That's what I'm trying to tell them. They have people to stay, stay in your lane. That's what I'm trying to tell my boys. One of the things is don't get too involved and say, oh, I got a platform, I better do this. Because guess what? You got to keep doing this. They got people that really stay in this lane and fight. Let's give them some support and give them money or whatever they need to do to keep going forward. Because what happened is with these guys, you'll say Black Lives Matter for a minute, but soon something else happened and you go about your business and you're not doing that for the whole complete time. What I'm saying is don't be just for one guy when, uh, when you got the cameras in front of your face and say, oh, Black Lives Matter, what was you doing before this? You ain't going to no meetings, no council meetings, nothing. So that's why I get stuck on some of these people being like, you know, all of a sudden you, you want to stand up and you want to say Black Lives Matter. It's just like some of these guys get on these podcasts, we're not playing, we're not doing this, okay. But don't play next week now. <laughs> we're not playing this week. And then some of the guys that, that say they don't want to play, them the ones who already got paid. What about the guy who's not getting paid, trying to make some money? So don't make all these bold statements and these things right here if you ain't willing to just go your separate way or help for all the times. What I'm saying is a lot of players, hey, Black Lives Matter. Let me put this on my shoe. Let me tell you about this. Now the basketball championship is over. I don't see him in the street. I don't see him on no thing promoting nothing now. Why? It's a fad right there. You say you got a voice. How about go out there and start talking and doing some things now? Invest some of the millions of dollars in the people that push this limit that's in that political game. Ain't happening like that. It might be behind the scenes, though. They might just not be. Not so many behind the scenes, you don't even see them no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You say you had a platform to talk. Get back out there and talk. It's very easy to go do that. But no, you're going to go about your business, spend time with your family, and do your other things because you ain't built like that. How did the names of your kids come about? Obviously, three L's. I'm guessing it's based off LeVar, but how did you decide to do the whole LLL alliteration thing? Well, that's because my family's like that. I got five brothers. LeVar, LaFrance, LaVale, Lorenzo, and LaShawn. So guess what? Uh, my dad did that. I guess this stuff fell off on me. And then somebody used to always crack a joke, say, man, was your daddy born on a lake in Louisiana making love? <laughs> to get all these ales. And so now, you know, I told Tina, let me name the kids. I'm good. It'd be very easy for me to pick them up in school. That's a lot of L's for a bunch of winter, don't you think, LeVar? Well, well just consider how you think of the L stands for. A lot of people stands for loss. But I think the L stands for love. It's much more love than loss. LeVar, I want to ask you a political question. Obviously, we just had this historic win with Biden and Kamala Harris what What's your hope in terms of their presidency that you'd like to see fulfilled as they enter office? Very simple. Do better than the last man. That's all. Anything. I also, I also want to ask you about another important figure, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. 
what's your impression of Adam? And behind the scenes, what have your communications been like with Adam Silver? I haven't talked to Adam Silver. But if I did talk to him, I would tell him to come on by the Big Ballers Estate and have some nice breakfast and we'll talk it out then. Ain't nothing like a good meal that I can cook for him. But uh, take all that professional stuff. Take the suit off and come on over and kick back and talk to me. If you have a problem or you just want to come communicate with the Big Baller, come on through. Lavar, you said your favorite player growing up was Charles Barkley because he essentially reminded you of you. Yes. Obviously, you two have had a complicated relationship in the past few years. Well, I mean, he he's helped. got older, he's got dumber. Yeah, he called you a bad father, and then you said you wished you. Uh, he, he had a father like me. Like I told you that's why he's so nutty. He's jealous of me. That's all. Like I said, he got he got family. I don't know who his wife was or who his daughter. He never talked about him. He always talked about some dogs, you who and Juju. I'm like, man, if that's the best thing you can talk about on there, that's because your family ain't like my family. So I get it. It's okay. He try to act like he's strong. He got his own mind. He don't even want to be there at TNT. He don't even want to be working, but he got to work. You know what? If you don't want to be somewhere, tell me this, and it's true. If you don't want to be nowhere, you're going to fall asleep. How many times you all don't see him fall asleep on party Because you don't want to be there. You know, when I fall asleep, I go take me a nap. He don't have no power like that. He can't do that. You guys are cut from the same cloth, though, you know? So I thought you have that I'm underlying respect. Cloth. That boy from, ain't from Alabama or something? He's a country boy. I'm a city guy. And I look way better than that guy. You, you see, he had hip surgery and all that stuff because he ain't in great shape like the baller. Who do you think wins in a dust-up, you or Barkley? In a what? In a dust-up, a fight. Oh, in a fight? You said a dust-up. I'm saying I ain't cleaning nothing. Hey, man, come on, man. You know, I slapped the hell out of Barkley. He's too slow. He's fat. Come on, man. I'm an athletic build. I'm still shifty. And I got a lot of power. But he hit broke, leg broke, knee broke. Man, no. Was he still your favorite player growing up, or has that changed? No, Charles Barkley always going to be my favorite player. But sometimes when you get old, you get a little senile, and you get to talking crazy. That's all right. But he's always going to be my favorite player, man. That, that boy used to play like a wild man. Fast, strong. Hey, light-skinned, bald-head dude running loose. Yeah, that's my boy. LaVar, when you're getting criticism sometimes around the antics and how you raise your kids and you know really the brand that you've built and sometimes overshadowing what might be happening with your kids do you ever take it personally are there ever moments where you think to yourself maybe I have pushed the boundaries too far no because I don't have no boundaries to push that's just what the media says and all that my boys know what I'm about I know what they're about so it's not like I'm overshadowing or whatever that's cool we're a family they're not ready for that. And it, it doesn't change how I feel about my boys or how they feel about me and what they want to call it on the outside, antics. What's, what the hell is antics? I'm just being me. They can't control me, so it's got to be antics. I ain't got no goddamn antics. I just do what I do and they can't stop me. Why? Because I own stuff. It's mine. Guess what? These guys put these mics or whatever. I've always said stuff like this. It's just more cameras and more mics. And they say, oh, somebody got the top of him. That's controlling LeVar. I got to tell him, don't say that. Don't do this. Can't nobody do nothing to me. I'm scary. I'm scary. You don't want this brand to do nothing, but still, I'm still in the race. Imagine what happens when people don't want no more endorsement deals. Oh, man, Nike, Adidas, all them falling down because that's the only way they stay on top. Go get the next best dude to endorse. When that ownership come out, hey, man, it's going to be like Uber and the taxis, Blockbuster, Netflix. Yes, it's going down. When you look at the Mannings in the NFL, they're the first family of football. The Earnhardts in NASCAR, the first family of NASCAR. What uh -huh. do you hope the legacy of the Ball family is in the NBA? The legacy of, of, of the Ball boys in the NBA is going to be like, you know what? They're going to be the first ball players to be playing basketball as billionaires. Because here's the thing. When you're good at basketball, what do they say? Okay, this is what I'm going to give you now because you've made it to the peak. It's called a Supermax deal. A Supermax deal is, what, 200 and something million dollars? See, that's where they want brothers to understand. This is where you tap out at. 250. That's as high as y'all go. That's why we call it the Supermax. I'm going to make 4 billion, but I'm going to give you this 250. And that's the highest you ever going to make because it goes down from there. It ain't like it's going to get more and more. Your career is going, so it's going down. So I don't want my boys to be caught on no 200 million, and that's supposed to be a lot of money. No, when you're getting billions, and you're a billionaire, 
and you're playing, that's chump change they give you, 200 million. That's chump change. Is there a price that you'd accept for your children to quit basketball and take just a random cubicle job? No, 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 no. If that was the case, I would have been took that money a long time ago and just called it it. No. That's what happens with a lot of things that come out. What, what I mean, I'll give you an example. You have these things like, like Rock Aware and FUBU and Cross Colors, different name brands. They give you four or five hundred million and they take that and run and then they put it on the shelf and you never hear about it no more. So now imagine this, the guy who used to own BET, if he would have kept that by now. Oh my God. But they offer you a quick little money and get you out the way. Just saying, you can't get me out the way for that because now you just got a lot of money in the bank and what you're doing, nothing. What do you think about Michael Jordan as an owner? Michael Jordan as an owner? That's been good because ain't he the only one? <laughs> got a roof for the only one. God dang. And maybe we can get two in there somewhere. But yeah, I think Jordan as an owner, that's good. You mentioned that you enjoyed your time in Lithuania because the people were pure and they had a love for a game. Can you describe your favorite thing about my wife is from a Baltic country, Estonia, so I know that area kind of quite well. It was in awe to maybe see, you know what, it's, it's not a lot of blacks over there. Yeah. So, so when they was like, man, this guy is a little different. I like this, you know. So it was it was wholesome with the people. They was even trying to learn my English. I'm trying to learn their stuff. When I, when I tell them Lavas, Vakadas, and all that, man, they was like, he's trying to learn our stuff too. So it, it, it was fun. It was fun, man. I'm a people person, so if I'm dealing with anybody, whether they speak English or not, I just go on their expressions. You can be talking English and give me the F you sign. I'm like, man, I'm talking to somebody smiling who don't speak no English. I'm going to chill with the people that are smiling and not doing no English. That's just how it is. And like I said, it's the people that make the place. You can go to Hawaii and say, oh, it's so beautiful. But if a guy come and kick sand in your face, you're going to be like, Hawaii sucks. You know, so, so, so what I say is the people make the place for me. I want to talk to you about shot mechanics because I played high school and college basketball. Matt played ball in high school too. I think he might've played a little college. I always forget. But when you look at Lonzo's shot, he had that cross motion with his jump shot that everybody would kill him. And he's obviously changed it since then. Talk to me about the beginnings of the Lonzo ball cross motion jump shot. Well, actually when I talk about the shooting was over here, when he started doing a step back, and, and, and start getting it off. He start going like that, doing a step back. Hey, my thing is this, man. Perfect your shot. So whether they talk about mechanics or nothing, as long as that ball go through the hole, it don't matter. And what I mean by that is, would you rather have perfect form and shooting 10% or a raggedy-ass form like Jamal Wilkes or Bob McAdoo and making 80%? So it don't, everybody got a different form. Ray Allen, perfect shot. Larry Bird, he on the side of his face. Reggie Miller is a push shot. So who's ever effective scoring the ball? It don't matter. And to show you how good I am with my training, I got three boys in the NBA with three different forms. Must be good. What do you think, LeVar, about players in the 80s and 90s versus players today? Who are the better players? The more skilled players are today. The players in the 80s and 90s would have killed these youngsters on the fact they were just too physical. He's way too physical, but but as far as skills, dribbling and shooting, and they're a little more skilled on his level. Everyone always has a debate about the greatest teams of all time. You right. hear the 96 Bulls, you hear the mid-80s Celtics and Lakers, you hear the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, and you hear now Golden State with their dynasty run. You got one team. Who is the greatest team of all time in LeVar Ball's opinion? The greatest team of all time is the uh, Chicago Bulls. Yeah, Chicago Bulls. They beat everybody, the 96 Bulls. As long as Michael Jordan was playing with Scottie Pippen and all he needed is one more, he just needed a big three. Whether it be Horace, Robin, it don't matter. He just need three guys. Them three right there was, was I think, a little skill to, to beat any of these teams. What do you think about Rodman's antics during the finals when he's going off and partying in Vegas? You know, he's hey. with Carmen Electra. He's wrestling. Like Mike said, you can do all that stuff. As long as you come do your job, that's, that's cool. That boy can rebound the ball. So guess what? You ain't got to go practice rebounding. I mean, when you're a shooter, it's just like this. If you're a quarterback, you got to throw every day. You're a receiver, you got to catch every day. But you're on defense, man. All you got to do is be physical and fast. You ain't got to practice. Just go after that ball. As long as you're going to rebound and do your job, go do what you want to do. But when you come here, don't be no liability because on something you did the day before. 
just come with the right mind frame to work. Some people can do that, you know. Lavar, do you ever get out of bed and or just like, I don't feel like being a big baller today. Maybe I'll just play small ball and pick it back up tomorrow. Hell no. No, no, no. That's not me. I get out of bed lovely. Out of bed thinking you're a big baller too. Because what if your ass don't get out of bed? Uh-oh, that's a whole new story. When was the last time you cried, Lavar? Oh, you, you're not going to want to hear this. I do want to hear it. Actually. I cried, I was seven years old. And that was the last time I cried. My, my dad, I think he kind of got in my mind, was like, man, you know, crying and saying sorry is for weak people. And, and the last time I got my ass whooped, I was like seven years old. I did something bad. And my dad said, you know what? People, they'll do something bad and then start saying, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that. And he always told me, take your punishment like a man. So when he gave me an ass whooping, I, I didn't cry. Because I was like, man, I'm going to be tough. I don't want to be tough doing some shit and then all of a sudden get soft on the, trying, to, trying to weasel my way out of it. I already did it the wrong way. So guess what? Go ahead and take it. So I've always been like that. And crying, it doesn't change anything. Like when people die and stuff, people be crying. I don't say, I ain't going to bring them back. I've stuck with that, and I ain't cried since I like 70. That's the last time I cried, man. LeVar, how do you prepare the kids for fame? Obviously, the type of fame that all three of them are experiencing, as you had mentioned, it's global fame. It's, it's A-plus list fame. When yes. the women are coming at them from every single direction, and there's thirst traps, there's pregnancy traps, there's all this shit they've got to deal with, how do you prepare them to not make those insane mistakes? Well, I prepare them like this by just giving them the, the real thing which is, I tell my boys, a lot come with the, with, with, with the fame. They've been noticeable since they was babies. They didn't always get to this, they'd be like, everybody's like, wow, who they, you know, what's their names? Who are they? they was doing that just without all the cameras. And the thing that I've told them is, guess what? I'm sorry. Here's the things, the different spectrums. When you're young and super rich, okay, that's what you want. That's great. But what's the bad part of that? You're never going to meet a nice woman especially in, in basketball. You're not going to find nobody like I found your mom or my mom and dad. Because here's the thing. If you're in this profession, which you got all this fame and notoriety, how are you going to meet a good girl? You're not, because what you're going to meet her in the restaurant where you eat, or you're going to go to a club where you dance, or you're going to meet her at the arena. So I hate to tell you, you're going to meet a hoe. Just how it goes, son. And then you got to wonder, then the first thing they're going to say, oh, I didn't know you did that, man, with the Googling and all this. Oh, yes, they do. They know about you before you even get there. So, son, that's the bad part of the life you're going to get. You're never going to meet a good woman. And by the time you do, let's say you get 30, and then you meet a woman, and she's 30. You got to wonder why she by herself at 30. So there's something that's dangerous, <laughs> no matter how good they look. But have a good time, son. I feel bad for you, but hey, I love the fact you made it. What happens if one of the kids brings home, in your words, a hoe, and you know that you got a bad situation? What happens if they bring a hoe? I already seen them. They already bought a few through here. I'm telling you. Oh, Lord. A lot of them look good, and, and man, but they got different motives. And, and hey, I just tell them to be careful out there, man, but you're never going to know what you get because usually, where, where do you meet a nice woman? If you have a job and you go to, to your job every day and she works at the job, you see her every day. You know what she's about. You go to school, you see her all the time. You go to church, you see her all the time. My sons are not going to church every time. They're not in no school, and their job is traveling to 40 different states. How are you going to meet somebody and be solid? It, it's not going to happen. Sorry, you have to retire. Or you're just going to be running through a lot of girls and then, you know, and everybody can be good for a few months and fake you out because they're looking at it like, oh, y'all young. If I get pregnant, 18 years of some cash, you know, God dang, man, that's a lot. I explain to them like that and just keep their eyes open and hope the best for them. So what you're saying is your sons are going to be billionaires, but they're going to die alone. Is that what you're saying to us? Well, they're going to be billionaires, but they're not going to die alone. I know that. They're not going to die alone. Trust me with that. LeVar, would you rather Melo be the number one pick and go to a shit franchise or be the number five pick and go to the franchise of your choice? Well, shit, you know, a franchise of my choice. I want to go to no shit place if he ain't got to. But if it's my choice to go where he can build. Now, I'd rather him go to a, a shitty place and build it up as opposed to, a, let's say, you go to the Lakers and they already won or, or Golden State, they already won. They just be, oh, he's just a piece. Nah, I want him to go somewhere where he's going to be like, you know what, I'm going to make this the best. It's just like nobody ever heard of Chino Hills High School till my boys went over there and built that school up to a basketball school. 
And now it's no longer a basketball school because the ball boys are not there. But what we did, we were supposed to go to a private school or something or to one of these basketball factories. And we went to a public school around the corner and we made that school. Like I told him, it ain't the school to make the dude, it's the dude to make the school. What do you think about high school athletics right now? Because growing up, we're in a similar generation. You're a little older than me. I'm 42. But high school athletics, you never heard of the Lonzo balls back then. Today, you have Lonzo, you have Zion, you have Mello, you have Jello. High school athletes are now more famous than professional athletes. What do you think about the culture that's being built inside of the high school athletic well, you gotta culture? That, you got to understand the change. Like I said, the change is that, that social media. You can get a highlight that quick now. You don't have to hear about it and try to catch it on a ESPN or something like that. As soon as it happens, it's boom, it's out there. So that's going to make you more, more viable to saying, you know what? They got more access to all these channels and podcasts where, guess what? It's just like if you got a shoe or something coming out, I didn't have no commercial, but I can put something on the internet and get two, four million views. You see what I'm saying? I can say, oh, Slam Magazine, can you put this out there? For the baller, the MB1 coming out, the ZO2, the G3, whatever. Back before, you got to pay all this marketing money just to get your money, just to get something on a commercial. So you get your Nike commercials, your N1. So guess what goes in the market? Millions of dollars. Now it's very easy now. You got one shot. Is it Lonzo, Mello, or Jello taking that last shot? Shit, everybody knows Jello. Shit. Jello taking that last shot, baby. Uh-uh. Jello more pure than them when it comes to shooting. If I need to score, I'm going with that guy. I'll break down to my boys. Uh, Jello's is the strongest, got the potential to be the best. Lonzo is the best team player. Melo is the crowd pleaser who's going to sell the tickets. LaVar, you've been so gracious with your time. We're going to close this out with what we like to call a hustle round. I'm going to give you a series of two options, and you're going to have to pick which one you prefer. Okay. Don't take longer than three seconds, or it's bad luck for Big Baller Brand for seven years. Got it? Okay, gotcha. Doritos, Cooler Ranch or Nacho Cheese? Nacho Cheese. Beer or wine? Neither. More potential, Jason Tatum or Luka Doncic? Jason Tatum. Chicken wings, drums or flats? Flats. Lake or ocean? Lake. Tina aside, blondes or brunettes? Tina. Oh, you said Tina. Oh, shoot. But you say Tina, man. I forget everything. Sure. Uh, 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 hey, my wife's a blonde, so I'm going to Tina. Blonde. Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Basketball or sex? Sex. Better coach, Dwayne Casey or Tom Thibodeau? Casey. Better basketball movie, He Got Game or Space Jam? He Got Game. Big Spoon or Little Spoon? Big Spoon always. Big Baller or Little Baller? Big Baller always. Congratulations. You finished the hustle round. And that's LeVar Ball. You've been awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, man, I had a great time with y'all, man. I love it. LeVar, you're amazing. Thanks for bringing your A-game, man. Yeah, good luck with the draft, buddy. All right, folks, that was the big baller himself, LeVar Ball. The amazing thing to me, Matt, outside of just what an outstanding interview, applaud for both of us right now, the guy never breaks character. I mean, you and I tried everything to really get him out of that quote-unquote Muhammad Ali mode, and in an hour, he was always LeVar Ball. And I think we can both walk away from this interview and think, this is just who he is. I mean, LeVar Ball is what we're seeing on TV all the time. He is really that guy. And what I think is LeVar's superpower is while we were talking to him, he had me convinced, totally convinced, that LaMelo signing a $100 million deal with Puma before ever stepping on an NBA court was actually a bad idea for his future. When he said his rebuttal was that $100 million is a lot of money to people who ain't got no money, in that moment, I have never felt poorer. And top it off, when you were talking to him about Zion, he said that Zion doesn't have a brand, he works for a brand. I can't spot the lie there. And the last time I checked, Jordan doesn't have water, rims, or tires in its product <laughs> portfolio, like BBB will. And that just may be the edge. The best line, Arthur, I know you remember this one. Sneakers come in twos, rims come in fours. You keep stepping, I'm going to keep rolling, and let's see who gets to the billions first. LaVar Ball, baby. What's amazing, and you touched on it, when I asked him what the legacy of the Ball family will be, he didn't bat an eyelash, and he said, we're going to be billionaires. 
you got to applaud the guy. That's how he's thinking. He literally is like Michael Jordan's worth 400 or 600 million. I forget the number he actually quoted. And he's looking at his family as billionaires. This dude is five, 10 steps ahead of everybody. And regardless of the antics, he has a game plan. He's going to execute to get there. He is kind of like the Bill Belichick of basketball branding in my mind. Completely unorthodox, going his own way, but he's looking to win Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, the only blind spot I will say of LeVar is that he has benefited from a marriage of 23 years. Teen, obviously, his woman in crime there was essential in the boy's upbringing. And when we asked him about, you know, finding love, his son's finding love, he says, oh, they're not going to find a good woman until they retire. But he benefited so greatly from that. If you don't have a good woman in your life, who knows how it's going to affect these kids. I think LeVar needs to really start considering his children's happiness in that regard. Because if you don't have love, Arthur, you don't have anything. By the way, the NBA draft is tomorrow. LaMelo is going to go pretty high. So he obviously told us that he wants Melo to end up either with the Knicks or the Pistons. It's going to be fascinating, A, if he's the number one pick, and B, what franchise he goes to and then... LeVar's reaction to it. I can't wait to watch. We're obviously growing this podcast and this brand by leaps and bounds each and every episode. But to be able to get one of the most outspoken and at this point influential figures in the sports world and be able to share this interview the day before his son's getting drafted, I couldn't be prouder of the work we're doing, man. I just shed a tear as I said that. We're viral machines, man. That's all I can tell you. Viral we machines. are viral machines, and my heart is is bleeding right now. Those great comment by you. But if you agree at home that the content we're getting is worth it, you should subscribe and review wherever you pod. Tell your friends about it. We got a bunch of great guests coming. Baron Davis, Richard Jefferson. We got so many in the holster here. You can follow us on social or on Twitter at Endless Double Underscore Hustle. On Instagram at Endless Hustle Pod. And we are just churning out content here. We're trying to grow this. We're talking to all the greatest athletes here. And we need your help to do it. So don't be shy with that subscribe button. And on Twitter, I'm at Arthur Cade. Instagram, I'm at It's Me Arthur Cade. Matt, your handles are? At Mr. Cohan, K-E-O-H-A-N on Twitter and on Instagram at King Cohan. Stay tuned, guys. Thursday, we are rolling out WWE icon Booker T and Miami Heat center Myers Leonard. Both fantastic interviews. Can't wait to share them with you guys. Peace.